How's it going? Aces, how are you? Good. Are you watching the, the playoffs? No, you know I'm not a jazz fan. Or an NBA fan. You should be a jazz fan because the jazz need... Need? Needs? The jazz needs... Need? The jazz need more good fans like you because they're losing jackass fans. I guess in the last couple of games, there's been some racist incidents and people think, oh. but the good news is, so I'll just say this really quick because we have a big show and I don't want to waste too much time on this intro, yeah. but it was kind of funny because the player for the Grizzlies, Memphis Grizzlies, like their star player, their family was here in Utah watching the game and they got heckled, which is normal. But apparently some of the hecklers kind of went into, they, they took it too far. They took it way too far. I and hate of course, people. it's a big national story. You know, we all look, Utah looks like a bunch of racist rednecks and stuff. But the part that they're not talking about, which is good, like the jazz, everyone handled it well. Um, they got banned. They got kicked out in their band. But I thought something was kind of cool. So apparently these fans got called out by other fans while this was happening. Like, the other fans weren't weren't taking it, which is not what you'd expect in Utah. You'd be like, people would just be quiet and polite, but no, these people call them out. And then the a bunch of other fans were like buying drinks for the family, and it was oh, so they cool. made it up to him. They tried to make it up to him. Well, no, they that, were doing that anyway. They were doing that anyway. Oh, oh, it was well, just nice. yeah. It was like yeah, they were having fun with with the family. The maybe, whole maybe the whole I day. don't hate people. So the family, the family gave a shout out. Like, hey, we feel the love from the jazz fans, but oh yeah, your three of them were using these racist racist but taunts cool. and calling the wife a bad word and stuff. So I just I don't understand why people do that. I don't know. But right. speaking of good people. I am really excited about this show. It's one of my friends that I've known forever. But also just a quality guy. He's a native Utah, born and raised in Kaysville, Billy Lewis. Um, I love him. With Pride Month coming up, we decided that it was a good idea to have somebody that could represent the gay community. Um Bill, Billy currently lives in Holiday with his husband of 13 years and their two cats. Um, he works as director of product operations and enablement at a major tech company that's based in San Francisco. And while that is his day job, he has what he calls his gay job as he is the global president of the company's LGBTQ plus ERG, leading a group of almost 7,000 employees representing 23 countries globally. Billy has been on a community activist, or excuse me, Billy has been a community activist since coming out. He sat on a couple of nonprofit boards, served on many committees and leadership positions throughout the community. He loves to volunteer for events and nonprofits from health issues, LGBTQ plus issues, political activation and homelessness. He calls himself the unapologetic gay, which we will talk about what that means later on in the show. And he comes from an LDS family and is the youngest of six. His mother was widowed when he was still an infant. He graduated from Davis High and completed an LDS mission in Thailand. He attended Weber State University. He came out of the closet in 1996 and he never looked back. Stay tuned for Utah Pride AF. You'll want to stick around to the till the end. We start wrapping things up, but then after we wrap it up, we get some other cool thoughts afterwards. So make sure you stay tuned till the very end. It's a good show. It really is a good one. We're really excited about this. 
there, Billy. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. You're welcome. For our guests out there, we've got Billy Lewis here with us. Um, Billy here is a good friend of mine. I've known him since I was 11 years old. And we're just so glad you could make it on. So with that, Billy is um, is my my good gay friend here. I don't know if that's okay to say. Is that okay to say? Oh, you can absolutely say that. You can is say that, gay, is that okay? queer. <laughs> is that okay? I, yeah. I just I am know gay. So yes, that is that is okay. We wanted to get Billy on because uh, we're coming up on Pride Month, and um, I thought that would be an apropos subject to get on Utah AF. So, well, first that, of all, first of all, explain explain what Pride is. Okay, I can do that. So, you know, a lot of people think Pride is just like, oh, it's this big celebration that happens downtown every year. It's a time to take your kids and everybody. Some people like to take their kids there. Some people like to take their kids out of the city when it's happening. Just depends on who you are. But, you know, taking a step back, Pride is not, it, you know, people think of it as a parade. They think of it as a festival. They think about drag queens and and people in leather and all the the extremities of the of society and and the the sensational pieces of the gay community but when you actually take a step back and look at what pride actually truly is you have to go back to when the modern day gay movement gay rights movement started which was back in 1969 you know that was june 26 1969 new york city there, it was a time of oppression of the gay community. We police were raiding bars. People, it was basically illegal to be gay. It was illegal to dance with the same sex. Right. And at that point, the gay the gay community had enough, and there was a, there was a rebellion. It was actually started by some black and brown drag queens and transgender um, members of the community. They fought back started the Stonewall riot, three to five days of absolute riots going on in in New York City. Um, you know, and, and after that, it started turning into an annual event. And it was, a, it was in commemoration of that riot. Mm-hmm. And every year it got bigger, it got into the other cities, you know, and then there's other places within the country that was having the same issues. In San Francisco, you had the Compton Cafeteria riots that most people haven't heard of. And that, that was happening on the West Coast. And every year it got bigger and it started going to the different cities. And what that, what, what that gets at is that underlying the parades, the, the glitter, the, the rainbows, and everything that's going on in downtown, Pride is actually a protest. Mm-hmm. It's actually literally a protest that is being celebrated. We are there being happy. We are there celebrating our lives. We're there celebrating our authentic selves. And we're there in a group being in in safety. At the same time, we're saying we're doing this in spite of. In spite of everything that you're trying to do to us. In spite of you keeping our rights away from us. In spite of the laws that you've tried to pass against us. In spite of all of that, we're still here. We're still queer. And we're out here and we are going to be in your faces. And we're going to show you that you cannot keep us down. So if you think about pride, it's not... You, people see the parades, they see all the fun and everything, but underneath that is a protest. So that's, when you call it a protest, that's interesting. I haven't really heard or thought of that before, but it kind of somewhat answers a question I had. Something I've heard, like a criticism I've heard of the Pride Parade from people is, why do they have to dress so scantily? Or like, there's dudes in there banana hammocks and they're dancing around in front of kids. Why do they have to do that? You kind of explained it, but what would you tell them? Well, you know, 
the thing about it is, yeah, you're going to have all walks of life at Pride, and we're, we're non-judgmental. You know, we are all our unique selves, and what one person considers, it's a, it's a swimsuit. Yes, it's a banana hammock, as you called it. Some people call it a budgie smuggler, right? It's, but it's it's just a swimsuit. And if you're having issues with that, that that's your issue, right? right? That's not that's not their issue. And you know, everybody to each their own. I mean, it's not it's not harming anybody. Um, if that's how they want to portray themselves. And if that's our authentic selves and that's how they want to be, let them. And the thing is, is when you look at what we have to do throughout the year, we have to constantly edit ourselves. We have to constantly sit, um, censor ourselves. And one, one week of the year, we get to let it go. We get to just be out there and people will say family friendly. It's not family friendly. Well, family friendly is almost a dog whistle to anti-gayness, right? It's almost like a homophobia thing because it's not family friendly. But it, that all depends on whose family you're talking about. Because I know a lot of gay families that that's a very family friendly environment for them to be at. Well, I tried to answer that question once. You can tell me how, how my response was. But I said something along the lines of, well, they probably feel... They probably spend a lot of their time or most of their time feeling constrained a lot of the time. So you, they have a chance now to just sort of let it all out and to DGAF, as the kids say. And I I wish I had the cojones to wear something like that in public. I finally, I finally joined the trend and bought shorts that go above the knee. And I can't tell you how awkward it felt <laughs> in public. I'm like yanking them down. <laughs> Yeah, I can't imagine you in in John Stockton shorts. They're, they're not John Stockton's shorts. They're like half an inch above the knee. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, I've got thigh thigh showing. Skinny chicken leg thigh is showing. I've gotten over it though. So good. when is when is Pride? So Pride in Utah is the first weekend of June. So this next weekend, well, I went, uh, let's see, it's June 4th, really, um, through June 6th is like the main weekend. There are events that are going on all week long. I guess they have the, the Pride Story Garden that's going on at, at Washington Square. Um, you have to get tickets. You have to reserve your spot. It's um, an interactive garden with different stories going on about the, the LGBTQ history and, and things like that. And then on Sunday, they have the, the Rainbow March and Rally. COVID, COVID has thrown the world into a bunch of craziness. You know, in my, the thing, the other position I do at my work you know, I'm helping to guide 36 prides globally and every one of them is different because some are virtual, some are in person, some are hybrid and, you know, COVID's, it's not going to be the same. Like the March and rally is actually just going to be a March that starts at the Capitol and marches down to, um, down to Liberty Park, not a big parade, nothing like that. I'm excited for it, actually, after I started thinking about it more, because I think it takes us back to our roots, back before we had the giant parades, before we had what we have now that people just think, oh, my oh my God, this is like this huge parade. And honestly, our parade is almost like two and a half hours now. It's, it's crazy. Um, but the, the march is taking us back to our roots. We're going to march down the street together, down to the... Um, down to Liberty Park. I'm, I'm pretty excited about it, actually. That'll be interesting, I think, um, to see how the public either demonizes it or embraces it. Well, Salt Lake pretty much likes it, right? Haven't I heard somewhere that Salt Lake has one of the largest pride parades in the country? We're not one of the largest pride parades, but we are per capita. We have like one of the largest attendance and we're one, in the West. We're one of the like the we're considered like the Midwest and a lot of things. Um, but we're one of the larger ones. We're actually one that actually people really do actually enjoy coming to. 
Um, what I mean by, let me back up. What I mean by, I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, what I mean by demonizing though is there's always people that are unhappy with anything that's regarding pride. Um, you know, just <laughs> yeah. there's homophobes everywhere. So it'll be interesting to see, well, why didn't they do the parade? Why are they too good for the parade? You know, I mean, there's people that just aren't happy with anything. <laughs> so yeah. I just, it, you know, I just wanted to clarify my statement. But anyway. I think, I think one of the things is, I mean, COVID, COVID caused a lot of, a lot of changes throughout the world and throughout different organizations. Last year, Pride was basically canceled throughout the world. And it happened really silently. Like, you know, there was some people, I think Tommy Lauren was like, oh, I can't wait till the gays start complaining about pride being canceled. Better not hear a word about that or something stupid like that. It was already canceled. We had canceled already, but the gay community stepped up and said, we're going to cancel and we're not going to, we're not going to complain about it because we know this is the right thing. So we canceled pride last year and there was people that weren't happy, but it is what it is. This year, yeah, there's always, I mean, I used to help organize Pride 20 years ago. We never made anybody happy, right? There was always somebody that was complaining, somebody that didn't like it, you know, and as far as our community goes, you know, they're, they're always gonna come, uh, as far as the, the non-LGBTQ community, the non-queer community, the mainstream community, they've always had a problem with it, um, you know, I, when I was organizing Pride, we, my, my year, I helped design and get the approval for the very first ever street banners with the Downtown Alliance that announced Pride. And they went up. About an hour later, I'm getting phone calls from the TV stations, from the Tribune, from Deseret News. They've all called Gail Ruzica and... Wow asked for her opinion and they wanted my opinion and my, and I was on every news. I was, it was, it was a mess. Right. So uh, there's always that, but here's, here's the one thing that I don't think people truly understand and appreciate, and it's a good and it's a bad. And that is the Utah community, the Utah culture. And when I say the Utah culture, I'll just come out and say it, the Mormon culture or the LDS culture. Um, trying to be respectful. And um, it's an, that culture is non, they don't believe in contention. They don't like contention. It's actually in the scriptures, contention is of the devil. So for the most part, they don't get in our faces about it. They like to turn a blind eye to it. They like to turn their face, turn away from it and act like it's not happening. So for the most part, we can go downtown and we can do our thing and, and we don't normally have a lot of pushback from the community. Now, that same culture is something that people ask me, what's it like being, when they find out I'm, I'm in Utah, they're like, ooh, what's it like being gay in Utah? And I'm like, that's actually not bad. <laughs> it actually is not a bad experience because of that culture of they don't want contention. So most people in Utah are very nice to me, very nice to my, my husband. We, we are treated really well. We've never had anybody come up and get in our faces. We've never had anybody be bashing us. It does happen, but very rarely compared to places like, I don't know, I would never want to live in Alabama or Arkansas. That would scare the shit out of me. Sure. Um, oh, by the way, I have my hell shits and dams. I hope that's okay. Um, <laughs> Billy, where did you get that line from? I may have gotten it from uh, your mother. <laughs> <laughs> but We do uh, go back. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, it's, at that same point, as long as you know that and you understand that and you have that expectation that really it's, it's shallow, it's not real that they're being nice to you because they're not going to invite you over for family dinner. They're not going to invite you over to the, to the birthday parties. 
they will be nice to your face. They will talk to you, everything like that. So going back to pride, as far as like demonizing everything, yeah, they talk about it. There are certain people that are very loud about it. Sure. But for the most part, they let us do our thing and they let us be ourselves. And those that join, join. Those that don't want to know about it, turn their heads. So you brought up the culture. I'm kind of curious. Do you think, well, first of all, did you grow up in Utah? I grew up in Utah. I grew up in Keysville. Do you think do you think the culture's changed noticeably in the time you've I, I know the population's grown a lot, a lot of people have moved from other states. Have you noticed any changes? Yeah, I, I actually have. Um, you know, I came out in nineteen ninety-six. So that was what, twenty-five years ago. Big change in the culture. Um, you know, I came out during the during the arguments that were being had around the gay straight alliances in the high schools, like at East High. I don't know if you remember that when East High wanted to start their gay straight alliance and everybody like puckered up and like freaked out and they're like, oh, OK, we're not going to have any. We're not going to have any school clubs. If we have to have this one, we're not going to have any of them and punish the entire student body. Those types of things uh, have changed. I mean, we have gay straight alliances. In the state of Utah, I, back then when I, when I came out, I mean, that was even before Amendment 3. So shortly after, we passed Amendment 3 in the state of Utah, right? And it, uh, Amendment 3 was the amendment that banned gay marriage, that said marriage is between a man and a woman, and that they would not recognize anything other than that, no matter where it was performed. So that w that happened in 2000, 2003, um, when 2003, 2004, when Amendment 3 was put in there. So not that long ago. Um, but then sh within the last, what was it, five years, we have now passed the a law that prevents housing and employment discrimination against LGBTQ people. As long as you're not mainly a religious organization because they gave that exemption. But we passed that and we were one of the very first ones in the country to actually pass a law like that. And we became like an example. And they're actually using uh, Utah as an example to like FUBAR, the uh, Equality Act, right? Like, let's rewrite it like this. And um, but yeah, so it has changed. People have gotten better. I, you know, I can wear my pride gear. I can put my pride flag out and I'm not really concerned about actual violence. Yeah, there's there's still some stupid people out there and there's still some people that are like, they're just not willing to just accept that we are who we are and that we are just like everybody else. We put our, I clean cat litter, right? I'm not like, I'm not, you know, my life is not some weird, crazy thing. I go to work, I get, I take, a shower um and you know and i clean cat litter because i have two cats and if i don't clean the cat litter it's gonna smell right it's not some weird crazy life you know that's what happened in logan right i mean logan just a couple months ago some kid jumps up and cuts down a pride flag right so it's still happening but we've come so far but we still have a long ways to go right right i agree it's, it is interesting to see how it all just kind of happens. Um, how old were you? Do you, when, how old were you, do you think when you realized that, oh, I like other boys? <laughs> when, so it, that, that's always a, that's always a fun thing to think about. So I think when I realized when I was gay, like I actually put a term around it, like, Oh shit. Right. I think I'm gay. Um, I was probably 15, okay. 15, 16 years old when like, that's not the first time I realized I had a problem or, and then people can't see me, but I'm like doing air quotes right now. Right. Like first time I had a problem air quotes. Um, but at that age, I considered it a huge problem. Like, 
I am being I am being aroused by males and like my friends. My dreams are not about women or my or girls. They're about guys, right? Mm-hmm. I I I started noticing those types of things, and I realized, okay, around 15, 16, I was like, okay, something's wrong with me. Um, and it was about 17, 18 years old. I decided I need to do something about it. And that was to fix it. Cause I felt I had to be fixed. Um, you know, I was like, I can't be gay. I can't be this way. The church says I'm an abomination that I am. I'm a sinner that I'm not going to be able to go to go to heaven. I'm not going to be able to get married in the temple. I'm not going to have children. Culture's telling me I'm going to be a loser. I'm probably going to be a drug addict. I'm going to die of AIDS at a young age. I'm going to be lonely. You know, these are all the things that culture and my community was telling me. And I was like, there's no way I can be this. No way can I let my family down. No way I can let my friends down. I have got to fix it. And... How did I decide to fix that? I decided to go on a mission. I thought, you know what? If um, if I go on a mission and I dedicate two years and I'm really good, maybe God will take this away from me. This isn't going to end well, is it? Billy, <laughs> this 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 breaks my heart for you. Uh, you know, I, I don't 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 because you know what. Uh, it made me a stronger person in the end. It really did. Um, you know, I mean, to be very honest, I was in high school and I was trying to figure out how do I fake my death or how do I, how do I make it look like an accident so that nobody can think so that my mom did not have to live with her child, killing herself, killing himself. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I'm, I'm thinking of that. I thought about Farmington Canyon. I was going to go to Farmington Canyon, figure out maybe which hill can I like drive off. Maybe I'll like douse the car with gas before I drive off so that it'll actually catch fire. Right. And I will die. So, I'm, you know, I'm being honest with you. Right. I, I'm now I'm now almost 50 years old. <laughs> right. I can talk about these things and be OK with it. I've gone through a lot to get to this point. But, you know, that's. That's where I was. And so I went on my mission and I was a good missionary. I, you know, I was dedicated. I, I was a trainer. I helped open a new area. I was a district manager, a district leader. I was a zone leader. I, I did a lot and got back and I was like, "Mm, yeah, still gay. (laughs) Right. And I tried for a little while and then I realized I'm not, I don't think this is going away. I don't think this is it. And so it was, it was December. Well, November of 1995, I went on my first gay date. I went on a first date with a guy. Mm-hmm. It was, and it was one of the most amazing things that I had ever felt. I dated a lot of girls when I was in high school and I did that on purpose because I thought, okay, I need to date a lot of girls because that way I find a girlfriend I can get over this. Right. <laughs> like I, but you know, it was that type of thing. And, you know, and I was, at, I did have a, I did have a girlfriend when I got back from, from my mission, she had a promise ring. She wanted to get married and I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it to her because I was still fighting that. And I thought, Oh my God, I could get married. Then I'm going to be one of these guys on the news that was got caught cruising the parks. Right. Or, I'm going to ruin her life and ruin kids' lives and stuff like that. So I was like, I can't do it. So broke that off with her. She was pissed off. She, I think she's still pissed off to me at this day. But it's okay because she still has a beautiful family. She got married and everything, and she has a great life from what I understand. Anyways, so November, went on my first date, was like ecstatic. Oh, my God. And then December 17th, 1995. I remember this because it was my brother's birthday. We were getting ready for a Christmas family Christmas party the next day. I was, my friends were over from high school and we won't mention names, but Jill, I'm sure you know who these people are. Mm -hmm. My high school friends were over there and we were all hanging out. And here I had just had my, you know, I'm battling this inside 
just went on my first date with a guy. I, but yet I'm here with all my really strong Mormon friends, missionaries. They're all getting married. They're all like, it's like, and two of my friends started making fun of gay people, started doing their little gay sh- a stick and really got, it really got really bad and uncomfortable. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh my God, this is me. This is who they're making fun of. Mm. This is who they, this is what they think of people like me. Mm. Yeah. Did they know? No, none of them knew. So this is my own internal battle that I was having. And so they all left and I go upstairs and I'm making a salad and I sat there and I started crying. And I was just like, oh, what am I going to do? And I had this knife in my hand. I thought, well, if I fall on this just right, I can make it look like my mom was in bed. Like I could make it look like an accident. And then I thought, I can't let my mom find me this way. <laughs> like, that would be, couldn't do that to her. Anyways, I walked crying and sobbing. And this does have a me. This does have a the story. So I, I went to her room, her door was shut, and I just crouched down in front of her door and I was crying. I'm glad she didn't wake up because there I would have been sitting there with a knife in my hand outside her door crying, right? That would have probably scared the shit out of her. But I was crying and I was like, didn't know what to do. And I was like in in a state, I was at a state where I had this knife in my hand. I wanted to kill myself, but I wanted to be happy and I wanted to do, you know, I, I wanted to get over this. And I, I, I'm agnostic now, just to be honest with you, I'm agnostic now, but I heard a voice as clear as can be that said, you are who you are, do not be ashamed and go be happy. Mm. And at that moment, I stopped crying. I stood up when I finished the salad and went to bed. Mm-hmm. Was it easy from there? No, I still had things. I still had to accept it myself. Cause that's one of the biggest things about coming out is you have to accept it yourself. And that's hard. Um, that now you want, cause once you accept that, it's sort of like, there's no going back. And so I had to go through the acceptance. And then in April, during a conversation with my mom on the phone. I can't believe it happened on the phone. We were talking about the whole gay straight alliances. I was telling her how I knew somebody that would have loved to have that type of support, loved to have that. I can't believe they don't, they wouldn't allow it. And she was trying to find out who I was talking about. And finally I said, it's me, mom. Anyways, she said, you're coming over to my house tomorrow and we're talking. <laughs> and, you know, I have to tell you, my mom turned out to be one of the biggest supporters. She flew with me and my husband to Canada when I got married. She went to pride parades. She was an amazing ally and um, an amazing support. But, you know, it was, it was tough. It, I mean, and... All in all, I had a really good coming out. My my mom, my family, the ones that I told, that's a whole other story for a whole other podcast. But <laughs> um, the ones that I told, you know, based on that, I had a really good coming out. And that's when I got, I decided I need to give back and try to help others so they didn't have the bad experiences and had one more like mine or even better than mine. Cause I didn't want them to go through that battle, that internal battle where they felt like they just, it was better to be dead than alive. Right. Oh, wow. Thank you for sharing that with us, Billy. That, wow. Um, shifting gears. I am curious how you feel the LGBTQ plus community has changed since um, you came out. Yeah. Um, it's It's been interesting. So 
progress has its good and its bad. Um, meaning, back when I first came out, there was 11 gay bars in Salt Lake City. I don't know. Most people probably did not know that. I did not. I thought there was um, trap, and that was it. No, there was the trap. There was the sun. Uh, Bricks at one point was strictly gay. I didn't uh, know that. There was Axis. There was the Deer Hunter. There was Radio City. There was Paper gay. Moon. There was. Yeah, there was, was not a gay bar when we were going there. It started off as gay. <laughs> I remember the paper moon being gay. Okay, I remember that. And then so the bar started going more of a like a gay night, like an access ended up being one of those gay nights and stuff like that. But there was, you know, at one we had kings at one point. You know, we had we had a lot of a lot of gay bars. We had a we had a really strong community and we all hung out together. We all knew each other. We all knew, you know, it was it was smaller, but it was it was still large per capita. It was actually pretty large, but it was still small. We now have two gay bars in Salt Lake City. Huh. And it's the it's triangles and trap. And there's some others with some gay nights here and there, but really those are those are the two gay bars. And there's some gay friendly bars. But what's happened with progress and this way it's good and bad is that because the culture has changed and shifted, we don't necessarily need our gay bars because we're really welcome anywhere else, right? Because you've got, you know, Gracie's, right, is like very gay friendly. And I should probably not be plugging businesses, but there's a lot of really gay friendly bars and restaurants and everywhere. We don't feel like we have to go someplace to be safe. I miss that old community. I miss actually going to some place like you go to the trap now and it's like, there's a ton of women there. It's like, and they're not, they're not lesbians. They're like straight women who just want to get away from all the predatory men that are at the other bars. So they come to the gay bar. Right. (laughs) Yeah. A lot, a lot of them do. So it's like, and so our community is spread out more. It's gotten bigger. People are coming in. There's there's so many. There's a lot of gay gay groups on Facebook mm-hmm. that you can belong to. There's we have a large thriving community. It's just really acclimated into a normal society, you know from from uh, from what it used to be. So yeah, I miss that. I miss that gay culture that we used to have. That was really tight knit. Yeah. Now, didn't you meet your husband at Triangles? I did, yes. So, <laughs> I, um, yeah. So what what happened there was I used to bartend at Triangles just because I liked bartending and it was a side gig for me. And uh, that night, I actually was not bartending, and uh, it was so I was out with my best friend. We actually went to the trap first, had a couple drinks there, hung out. And we're like, hey, let's go to Triangles. We go to Triangles and we're there. And so I know the clientele at Triangles, right? Because I bartend there. Uh, it was like six times a month I was bartending there. And uh, so I, this group walks in and I know two of them. They're regulars, but they have this guy with them. And I'm like, I don't recognize him. And I was like, and I would recognize him. <laughs> and I was like, he's, he's very attractive, and and so I was like, okay, um, let me see. I'm going to scope him out. So I went over, played one of the video games, and watched to see if he was with anybody or see what was going on. Realized he wasn't with anybody, and so I went over to my friends that I knew, and I knew what they liked to drink. So I like offered to buy them a shot. I'm like, hey, why don't I buy you a shot? I'll buy your whole group a shot. And John, my husband's like, no, 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 I have to work at six o'clock in the morning. And I, well, he didn't say six. He just said I have to work in the morning. And I bought him a shot anyways. And turns out he hates tequila, but that's what they all wanted to drink. So um, <laughs> anyways, uh, bought him that drink. We started talking and we got along really well. And his sister's like, hey, you should exchange numbers. 
we exchanged numbers. I called him the next Tuesday. I asked him out and like, but you know what, you can, I know you've maybe felt a little pressure because your sister put us up to this. So if you want out, you can get out. And he's like, no, I'd love to go. So that was, that was June 17th when I met him or June 16th when I met him. We went out on our first date on June 24th. We went on our second date, June 25th. He, we, and we never separated since. And he moved in in August of that, that year, (laughs) a couple months later. We are, and we are next month celebrating our 16 year anniversary together. Wow. I love that. Your relationship's old enough to drive. Uh, right? That's what I was thinking. I was like, if we had a child, we'd be like having to get insurance. And like, oh. <laughs> well, speaking of bars, you know, Jill and I want to, st- we always wanted to open a bar. We we did. Really? I've always we, wanted We had no interest in actually running a bar or anything about that. We just wanted to start a bar so that we could call it. Chester Drawers. <laughs> Because nobody in Utah calls it a chest of drawers. It's always Chester drawers. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. And if you said it right, chest or drawers, it could actually even have a even a little bit more funnier, you know. Chest or drawers. Chest or drawers could be a good gay bar name. Yeah, right. Oh idea. I have, a, I have another idea for a name of a gay bar. I, I warned you before you before we came on. I say something stupid. Every, well, I've already done that. I say something stupid every episode that I have to cut out, and this could be it. But I always thought it'd be funny to have a gay bar that's called Club Hey with like nine Ys. <laughs> hey. Hey and girl. If someone's already taken it, you could just add like an extra Y. So yeah, I, I always thought the best the best gay bar name ever, and nobody's ever that I've ever seen has had it, is the White Swallow. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> just kidding. I ever told you I I used to work in this at the sperm bank. I no. One, the andrology lab and my friends and I that worked together used to go to porta call after work and we used to make what we called the shot and but we made it like we would have we tested out several mixtures to make it look like the right liquid viscosity and oh it was so disgusting looking, but so delicious. And listeners and Billy, if you ever want to make something that looks just very accurate, it's vodka, Malibu rum, and pineapple juice shaken, and then half and wait, half loaded wait. on top. How do you shake it? You saw me shake it. <laughs> I saw that too. I was like, oh. Man, let me, this <laughs> this, this needs did. to be a video episode. We've had too many visuals already. I know. We're not going to release this video. In case you're wondering, Jill has a weird, weird technique to shake things. That's how we used to tell the bartenders to shake it too. But, um <laughs> But then they float half and half off the top, and we and then you have to drink it like a shot. And then when you're done, you go, "Thank you," <laughs> and wipe off the, your mouth like. Mm. And it was so good though. But one of our uh, one of the technicians that used to work with us is a gay man, and he helped us divide, you know, make up this. And I'm like, you know, Matt, you're not the only one that enjoys these. <laughs> <laughs> they were just delicious mm. but anyway that was just my side but actually my first gay bar experience was zippers 
zippers. Zippers. I used to be a regular at Zippers. I used to go sing karaoke there all the time. And when they would do um, YMCA, when they played YMCA, I was one of them that would jump up on the bar and do do the YMCA. Yeah. Okay. I, I love <laughs> Zippers. It was, it was great. And if people don't know where Zippers is, what Zippers is, it's where Lake Effect is now. And Shaggy's was. Mm-hmm. And it used to be the library, and it used to be the Green Parrot, and it used to be the hotel. The hotel, yeah. <laughs> but it also used to be Shaggy's. Yes. Shaggy. Shaggy. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, Jake used to love Shaggy's because of the... Just because of the name. The sh- the name, but also they used to make a mighty fine AMF. Which we would order by going, give me an AMF, Edit, edit, edit. <laughs> so obnoxious. It's a good thing we don't drink anymore. I know. Our livers couldn't handle it. Well, speaking of visuals, you tell everyone what your shirt says. Yeah. Oh, so my shirt says, I will use your pronouns. And it's and it has a, the, the pronouns is in the trans flag. It was designed by one of my coworkers' partners. So that's fantastic. So in one of our previous episodes, we had we do these Ask Us Anything episodes. And one of our questions from Instagram or something was like, do you you know professionally now people put pronouns on their email signature or like their Zoom handle or something like that? So the question was, do you do you do that? Um, do you have any insight as to why people should oh. consider that? Oh, absolutely. Because it's on my signatures. It's on my Slack profile. It's on it's on everything. And honestly, if I would have actually introduced myself at the beginning, I would have introduced myself with my pronouns. Um, and it, here's the thing. People, people don't, there's a lot of people that are very like irritated with, with the pronoun usage and the, and the fact that people are starting to do this with the pronouns. I, if you saw me, I am, I am very typically male. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have a beard. I, I have a male physique. I'm, I'm a shaved head, right? This is called my summer look. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and people think, well, why do you feel like you have to use your pronouns? There's a couple reasons. One is if I use my pronouns, then I start to normalize it and make it easier for somebody who has to use their pronouns or feels they have to use their pronouns. So that this is an example that I used before. Like if I'm in a room of 10 people and everybody goes around and introduces themselves and the the one transgender or non-binary person or even that person with the gender neutral name has introduces themselves with their with their pronouns all of a sudden they're othered they stick out they have have the eyes on them like why whoa you know that that Mm -hmm. was weird but if all 10 of the people went around the room and introduced themselves with their pronouns then the person that actually needs that and needs that safety and needs that um needs people to be able to understand that they now feel part of the group. They're not feeling othered. They're feeling supported. And it makes it easier for everybody else. Right? And then, and so that that's one of the reasons, you know, and I, as I was saying, gender neutral names. Billy, you would think, is not a gender neutral name, but it is, depending on how you spell it. If it's with a Y, it's a male. If it's an IE, it's a female. Right. Right. And there's a uh, you have, I have I have award certificates from when I was a child that my name is B I L L I E on it, right? Yeah. People just don't know, right? I have a coworker. Her name is Carden. Carden it actually sounds very masculine. So she's constantly people just see her name. She's constantly referred to as a male, as a he, and she's very female. For her, this is a great thing for her to be able to put her pronouns on things and not feel like she's being weird, right? And not feel like she's being 
she's being called out for it. So for her, that's even another way to support somebody. She's not trans. She's not non-binary. She is a cisgendered female with a masculine sounding name. Right. Hmm. Like So for, say, Jake, myself, being straight, uh, cisgender, hetero people, um, it would be beneficial for us to use our pronouns in in just our emails and introduce in introductions to to people doing it but i just hadn't really you know just because i'm um i don't know maybe it's just because i'm not a member of the lgbt plus community that i just haven't considered doing it as much so well i can so here's that actually what you said gave me some insight. I might have to reconsider because my thinking before was like, I, I haven't used my pronouns. I've not opposed to other people using them, but my thoughts were like kind of seeing as a looking at it as a pronunciation guide. Like if you had a name that was hard to pronounce, you might have a pronunciation guide. So when I first started seeing people put pronouns, that was kind of my thought was that's like their they're kind of telling you what the pronouns are before you interact with them to avoid embarrassment. So that's kind of what my thinking was like, well, I don't, I don't use that because I don't think people are going to mistake it and I don't care if they do. But what you're saying is it's really not about that. It's because the people that maybe use a different pronoun from what you would assume they're going to do that. They're going to probably want or need to do that either way. But by being the only people that do that, they're kind of, sticking out mm-hmm. feeling not included today. Yeah, exactly. That is, that's exactly it. Right. I don't need to do it. It's not for me. It's, it's for others to, to, to help support and be an ally. It's really about being an ally and just helping out others that, you know, whether you understand what it means to be transgender or non-binary, whether you get that, we're, nobody's asking you to understand it and get it. We're asked, you're being sure. asked to respect it and accept it. Right. To say, hey, you are who you are. I respect that. And how can I support you? Right. Because that's all we all need. Right. We're all in this together. We're all we're all we're stronger together. We, we we're human beings. We we want to feel accepted. We want to feel part of the group. And we all need some sort of uplifting in, in every part of our lives. So yeah, that that's exactly it with with pronouns. And it's it's not that big of a deal. I, I start most of my meetings at work. My name is Billy Lewis. My pronouns are he, him, and I move on. It's that sure. easy, <laughs> you know? And yeah. And the people, the other thing that this does, and maybe this will help you also, because I think both of you, I would consider probably safe people. When you use your pronouns that tells transgender, non-binary, and those other people, you are a safe person. You are somebody I can feel more comfortable with, and I don't have to worry about you. It's a little signal that says, I'm a safe person. I like that. Thank you. Something to think that about. Is, that is. I appreciate that insight. Okay. Well, I think... This is a spot that we should maybe wrap up with. Uh, Billy, one last thing. We like to ask all of our guests, what is your favorite thing about Utah? What is my favorite thing about Utah? And you have to sing it as if you were singing the song from Sound of Music. (laughs) Willie has a lovely singing voice but we won't really make you sing it don't make me sing Um, oh my goodness you know there actually is a lot of things I like about Utah but what is my favorite thing about Utah I think my favorite thing about Utah is the open space 
of it. Um, when we went through COVID, I was on phone calls with my with my coworkers, and they're stuck in these 500 square foot apartments with no yards, and their their spouses or their partners are like across the table from them, and they're scrunched in. And we are so lucky here in a lot of ways, and it's going fast too, but still Utah's huge, it's vast. We have a lot of space. We have a lot of open space to ourselves where we're not on top of each other. And I think a lot of people take that for granted. Oh, we really do. And, you know, I travel a lot. I'm in San Francisco a lot, Boston, uh, other big cities. And I love going to them. I love visiting them, but I'm just like, ugh, I need to go home. Right. I can go an entire week without seeing my neighbors, right? Because it's it's that much different. And sometimes so, we need to go an entire week without seeing our neighbors. Yeah, exactly. Especially some of our neighbors. Um <laughs> I just want the I want the politicians of Washington County to really hear what you just said, because that's where I am right now. And the people here are trying to develop every single square inch of land as quickly as humanly possible and to get this place as populated as possible. And I keep screaming from the top of the hills, let some of it be, let some of it be. You're going to ruin it. We don't want to be Phoenix. If you want to live in Phoenix, go move to Phoenix. Yeah. You know, it, it is, it's so hard. It's like people are Two problems, right? People are wanting to move here because it is actually a nice place to live, right? Because it is open, because you can come here and actually, up until recently, get a nice size house and property <laughs> for not too much money. Um, but the other part is, you know, we, we have a lot of children and they're growing up and they're having families and they're multiplying. And it is what it is at this point. We're going to have to continue, unless we're shipping all these people out of Utah. Yeah. We're going to have to continue to build them. That's what we'll do. We'll start shipping people out. I just want to throw this out there that Kansas, Kansas is a beautiful state and they will pay you to move there if you have a bunch of kids. <laughs> I, I, I said to him, nobody is an ally by default. You cannot call yourself an ally just because you have a gay brother. You can't call yourself an ally because your cousin married a black guy and they, they happen to be one of your favorite people. But I have a black friend. But I have a black friend. You cannot call yourself an ally just because. Ally is being is taking action. Being an ally is standing up, it's speaking up, it's showing up, even when they're not in the room. That That's about being an ally. Like who's gonna be listening that, we're, that we could help make somebody's life better, you know? Yeah. Well, it took me, um, you know, I have a good friend whose son is transgender and it took me a long time to get his pronouns right. And, but I've learned, like, I'm still learning how to be an al a better ally. And, um, like, I, I had to make a decision to, you know, walk away from certain organizations that were anti-gay. I'm not going or an anti-trans. I'm not going to be a part of something that's just so outwardly homophobic and transphobic. I'm not going to be a part of that. And, you know, me on me going into, you know, um, on Twitter, for instance, I, I can't, support things and I'm constantly just you've seen me on Twitter I'm that's where I let loose I'm just like can't deal with this <laughs> so I'm very outwardly but I'm 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 still a work in progress with that and 
like you've taught me a lot, but I've learned from this 14 year old transgender boy, maybe more than anybody because it's like a wake up call. Yeah. You know, 14 year old kid can do it. You know, a 43 year old woman might be able to. So. Yeah. The thing is, is, we're all on our own ally journey. Even though I'm a member of the LGBTQ community, I'm not transgender, right? right. I am a cisgender. And this was something I was actually going to say earlier was like defining what a cisgender person is because most people don't know what that means. And, you know, because a cisgender person is somebody, is a person whose gender identity matches their biological sex at birth. Okay. That's, that's what a cisgender person is. Most people don't know that. And I, I forget that. And I'll be like, a cisgender person, blow up. And be like, what is, what's, what's cisgender? <laughs> so maybe we, I don't know, during the wrap up, maybe, I don't know. Anyways, um, so yeah, we're all on our journey. I'm still learning to be a transgender ally because I, I mess up. And being an ally doesn't have an end date. It's not like you all of a sudden one day, like, I graduated, I'm an ally. No, that doesn't happen. <laughs> so. Wouldn't it be great, though? No. To know it all. <laughs> know it all, all the time and be perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just work in progress, I guess, right? We all are. Just be good to each other. That's what I say all the time. Mm-hmm. Just don't be a dick. <laughs> it's a start. It's a mother talking to her child in the back seat and and the child's like talking about Jesus. And and uh, she says, and the child talking to another child about Jesus and who Jesus is, and the child starts relaying facts. And he and the child says, Well, Jesus is is bi and non-binary. <laughs> and the mother's like, whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute. Where did they teach you that at school that Jesus is bi and non-binary? And she, he's like, yes, they did. And she's like, no, they didn't. And she's he's he's like, where did why do you think Jesus Why do you think Jesus is bi? He goes, because Jesus loves everybody. <laughs> Which would make them pants. They're bi. And she's like, and why is okay, so why is Jesus non-binary? And she goes, because he wears a dress and he's a man. <laughs> I love it. It's it's on my it's it's a TikTok that's on my story. Go watch it, share it with Jake. It is the it is so it is it made me laugh so <laughs> I'm going to find it and I'm going to send it to Jake. I want to keep that one in. Now, Billy, in your bio, you say that you're an unapologetic gay. What does that mean? What that means is that as a gay man, your comfort or discomfort with my sexual orientation is not my issue. It's not my concern. So I will not apologize for who I am. I am me. And if you like me, you like me. If you don't, you don't. But you will never hear me say, I'm sorry, because I'm gay. I love that. Well, Billy, we like you. We thank you very much for being on the show. This was great. This This was good info. Where can people follow you or find more info if they're curious about you? Uh, they can go to my Twitter, which is Billy Lewis two two two. Um, really easy. <laughs> and uh, you, you, if you want, I I do have my Instagram that anybody can follow. It is public, and it is pink underscore flamingo underscore has underscore landed. <laughs> We'll link them up to the show notes. <laughs> the pink flamingo has landed. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, Billy. We appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. This was fun.
That's the end of our show. Thank you for listening to the Utah AF Podcast. If you enjoyed our show, please share with a friend and leave a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. That helps get our show out and increase visibility. And when we do well, you do well. We have no idea what that means. Yeah, don't ask us to explain now. Please go ahead and follow us on social media. On Instagram, we're at Utah underscore AF. On Twitter, we're also at Utah underscore AF. Also, our website, Utah-AF. Send us your tweets. 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 Don't you say the other T word. So confusing. Getting all my twits. Anywho, you're awesome, AF. Thank you. Yes, thank you, AF.